This is the only human podcast from Community Radio for Triple Z out of Brisbane, Australia. So can you tell us how you're involved with the NDIS? Okay, so like you, we're working on a project called Getting on the NDIS Grid, which is about getting information about the National Disability Insurance Scheme out to people who are a little bit more marginalised, people who might be living in supported accommodation environments, people who might be homeless, people living in caravan parks, uh, a, ra- a range of people who don't often hear those kinds of messages and what the NDIS can do for them. So um, the National Disability Insurance Scheme is one of the biggest changes in our, for one of term, our welfare sector uh, in 25 years, 30 years. So in about the mid-70s, Gough Whitlam sat down and said he wanted to introduce a, a National Disability Insurance Scheme. Uh, Bill Hayden at the time said, I think we need to do Medicare first. So Medicare got up in the 70s, so it's been on the books for that length of time. Um, Kevin Rudd hosted the 2020 Summit back in 2005, I think it was. And this is the one issue that came out of that summit that the community agreed we needed to do something about because the disability system in Australia was quite broken. So what the NDIS is is a real shift in the way in which people will receive support because of their disability so that they can have an ordinary life. So it's about giving people support around how they get around. So, you know, uh, people with a physical disability might need a new wheelchair or aids to do that. They might might be quite housebound because they're uh, experiencing anxiety. So it might be a support worker to assist people to get out. It can help people with communication. Some people have struggle to communicate with others, uh, so it can, might provide a support worker so that people can advocate for themselves. It can provide support around learning, so some people struggle with learning new things and struggle to manage their life because of that. Uh, and a key one, I think, is around social support, around people who are living very isolated lives because of their disability. It can provide support to ensure people can be part of the community so that they can develop friendships and that kind of thing. It can provide support around um, taking care of your own, managing your own life. So some people struggle with paying bills, uh, dealing with bank accounts, dealing with Centrelink, all that kind of stuff. So it can provide support around that. And again, some people need support around self-care to take care of their bodies, to have showers, uh, all of that kind of thing. So that's, it's around what's called six domains and it can provide supports for people with what's called a severe and permanent disability um, around those bits of their lives. And if I'm correct, the qualifications for NDIS you had to be under 65, permanent disability and Australian citizen. That's correct. So you need to be definitely under 65. Uh, if you're over 65, the aged care system uh, deals with that. Um, you need to be an Australian resident. There's a little tricky bit here. If you're a New Zealander who arrived in New Zealand prior to the 1st of February 2002, then you may, and you're on a special type of visa, then you may be eligible. It's unfortunately our brothers and sisters across the ditch that miss out a bit. Uh, and yeah, and it's what's called significant and permanent disability. So it has to have a significant impact on your functioning in your life and it has to be likely to be lifelong. So it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. So as a, as a part of the process of, of becoming eligible for the NDIS, do people have to go through any kind of assessment process? Yes and no. Technically no, but it's around gathering evidence which supports your assertion that you have a severe and permanent disability. So it's around the evidence of the, imp- the functional impact of that disability. So that might be 
a person writing a letter say, uh, look, I actually can't get out of the house, I, um, my mobility is very impaired. It might also be a supporting letter from a GP, which if a person has a particular diagnosis, that's, that's of value, but the NDIA say that's not, not doesn't have to be there. Uh, but it's, it's principally about the functional impacts that a person's disability has on their life. What are the things they actually can't do? And they, they frame it around what's called an ordinary life. So what's an ordinary life for you? Uh, public transport, going down the shops, hanging out with the kids, that sort of thing. Yeah, so having friendships, uh, possibly having a job, uh, having some income support, having a home. Many people that we've come across you know, I I who are homeless, and they're homeless for, for a, a reason, because of they that lack that um, functional capacity to manage their life. Um, um, so the NDIS is, a, is around that kind of stuff. So there is definitely eligibility criteria, but it's around the evidence of that functional impact around the things you can and can't do. That's the kind of key thing. Who decides who, who's eligible? Uh, there's a national access team uh, for the NDIS, so it, it works across the entire NDIS across Australia. So that access team uh, determines the eligibility of th those who get into the scheme and those who don't. I think they're, they're very committed to making the scheme work. It, in Queensland is a particular case because there are currently 47,000 people receiving funded disability supports from the Queensland Government. That's expected to grow to 92,000 people. So they have to capture an, another 45,000 people because Queensland has historically been underfunded in this area. Um, so, it's a, it's, so it's not open to everyone who has a disability, but everyone who has a severe impact on their hmm. life functioning. So how does that, does that include people with severe mental health problems? Like yeah, so that's, for yeah, exactly, because um, severe mental illness can be very disabling and it's taken a long time to get that kind of concept within the disability sector. Um, so that's what's called psychosocial disability in a sense that people are, uh, can be significantly disabled because of their severe and permanent mental illness. Uh, so there's quite a lot of work being done around ensuring that people who, who have schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or a range of other mental illnesses um, know about the scheme, which is some of the work we're doing. Uh, MIF MIFQ are also doing that work. Mental Illness Foundation of Queensland are doing a lot of that work as well, uh, as well as a number of other organisations, to make sure that those people who currently receive some support from mental health funding get in. But there's also a significant number that we know don't get the support they require uh, and, uh, and get in. We were at a little homeless barbecue on Monday night and met a gentleman there who, you know, he's homeless, he has significant mental illness, never received the supports he's required, uh, and hopefully we can convince him that this is something worthwhile. It is a scheme, it's a choice. So you would a person like him have an advocate to help him out to make sure he gets that help he needs? So the way the, way the system's going to work is there will be local area coordinators established in local communities with community organisations, and they can theoretically assist people in the access process pre-planning and then sitting down and planning. But he sounds like someone who would need a lot of assistance to make sure he gets Correct, benefits. correct. And there are possibly gaps and that is a little bit of a concern. Some of the work that's been done in some of the trial sites is identified that people with who don't have the capacity to advocate for themselves uh, and they don't have people in their lives which can support them, then it's there's some gaps. And so it'll be interesting to see how that evolves out. Places like West End Community House are, are very important in that 
they're linked to community, they know people and they may have capacity to say, hey, look, this would be good for you, you should think about doing this, how can we help you to gather the evidence? We know organisations like this, you know, are under-resourced, uh, but it's, it's one of those kind of community resources that can assist. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else have a question they'd like I to know, ask? I reckon Nigel might have one. Uh, my, my question is just like, you know, sort of on like the paranoid things about, you know, wh why this is happening. And are there any like corporations that are going to be involved in this? Are they gaining money, you know, like the American system? Um, you, yes it? and no. Yeah. Uh, so because it's based on a, what's called a market-based system. Previously under uh, the way disability support was was funded is that you, um, uh, if you're receiving direct support, certainly in Queensland, and you had an individual package, you can select a, a provider who would provide you with services depending on what your need, needs were. The NDIS is based on a market-based model where there are you have more choice and control over the who the supports you receive, who you get them from, and how you receive them. That's the theory. In order for that to work, you're going to have private, for-profit providers as well as not-for-profit providers uh, in that marketplace to ensure that there's a greater range of choice. So possibly there may be international companies, I actually don't know, that may come into that space. Uh, there are certainly for-profit organisations that will do that, similar to what they're doing in the aged care sector. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think that's a values judgement. I think. Uh, I think all of the governments in Australia are committed to the NDIS working and it's, so it's about people who are in the scheme or their carers and families giving feedback. The NDIA, which is the agency which manages the scheme, is very committed to building the scheme, adapting it as it needs to change and grow. It's going to take five to ten years before it settles and I think we'll be proud of what's been built. But it's going to take a while and there's going to be stuff ups without it, without a doubt. I've got one more question. Um a lot of people who are listening to the show may be on the disability support pension. How is that going to interact with the NDIS? So not all people on disability support pension will get into the NDIS and not all people in the NDIS will be receiving disability support pension. That's number one. It has no impact on your pension whatsoever. This, uh, it's a very separate scheme. The scheme is free if you're eligible and it's around providing you, you're on a DSP for a reason. So what are the supports you need to engage? It's two frameworks that it's built around, which is around economic and social participation. So what are the supports you need to increase your economic and social participation? So in part of the, the way in which the scheme works is you come up with some goals that you want over the next 12 months. And what are the supports you need around your disability to reach your life goals? And that might be... Um, you know, you've been out of work for a very long time. What are the supports you need to do that? And it might be a lot of pre-work about literally getting confidence to walk out the door. Yeah. Some people are very isolated and don't even have confidence to go down the street to the shops. That So there's a lot of, for some people, it might be around that kind of thing. For others, it might be around um, who already work part-time but would love more work. So how do they uh, get more opportunity to get more work? Do they need aids in the workplace, that kind of thing? Um, um, that, yeah, there is a significant difference between the DSP and the um, the NDIS, and it, but people who are in receipt of uh, disability support pension need to have a think about what is what are the factors that contribute to the disability and how what supports would be of value to them 
so that they could have an ordinary life. I mean, that ordinary life concept is different for everyone, but it's around, it's a, again, the framework is around that increasing that social and economic participation. We know many people with a disability are very socially isolated. So what would make a difference in your life? I think that would be the question you'd ask. So I guess I want to ask in the context of the Whoopi Doo crew and radio group, if people needed a support worker to come to a group like this, is this something that the NDSIS would fund? You bet, definitely, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, and it's uh, and it's again, it's around if the person is socially isolated because of their disability, and engaging in uh, a group like this would make a significant difference in their social connection. Then, as my and my understanding of it, you bet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anywhere people can go to find some information on the internet, for instance? Yes, by all means. So uh, you can contact uh, us. I'm from Queenslanders with Disability Network, so we're running this particular project around engaging with people who are much more marginalised. You can, of course, go to the NDIS website, which has an enormous amount of information. Um, don't forget the scheme rolls out from the 1st of July 2018, but you can make an access request from the 1st of January 2018. Uh, so if you make an access request, does that mean someone's going to come to your house or f call you and discuss your needs? Is so you might have heard some stuff in the media around planning. So the process can be um, in order because of the large volume of people that had to be gotten into the scheme. A lot of the plans were being developed by phone. People with disabilities said that's not good enough. So they've shifted that back so that you can request a face-to-face -face planning meeting so that that does mean of course that time lag is going to take a little bit longer yes, for that exactly. planning meeting so ideally I when the NDIA establishes its offices in Brisbane you will be invited to an NDIA office to uh, having a planning conversation once you're into the scheme and that's around identifying your goals over the next 12 months that you want to achieve and what supports related to your disability you will need to achieve those goals. And those goals can be you know, life goals. And it could be around reconnecting with family. It might be around work or it might be around literally developing new friendships, those kinds of things. So it, because of the large number of people in Brisbane, it is going to take a while. And I'm not sure what the NDIA's capacity is going to be. But there will be also what's called local area coordinators who are in local communities and they are the people you can go to and say, look, I'd like a hand with an access request. I think I'm eligible. Uh, they should theoretically be in place from the 1st of January. So you can go and get more information from them. Uh, it's really unfortunate that there was a, uh, a large advertising campaign within the whole design of the scheme, but that got cut in the budget. So that's why there isn't a big television campaign around it. Um, and I think that's unfortunate because many of the answers that people have could have been dealt with by that. Um, Might be a call for a community service announcement on Triple Z about it, eh? Hey? Yeah, so I will give you the NDIA's number though, the number you need to call. Okay, the number to call the NDIS is 1800 800 110. So if you have any, um, you'd like any information about the NDIS, definitely call the NDIA on that number. Uh, 1800 800 110. So there will be no offices in Brisbane until the 1st of January. So if you're if you have a general question, you could certainly call that number. Uh, but if you want specific questions around uh, services in Brisbane, then probably have to wait until the 1st of January.
I would I would like to thank Paul from QDN and also getting off the grid for coming along and talking to you about the NDIS and possibly like maybe next year we might be able to give him get him back for an update on how it's going and all of Brisbane. Thank you very much for inviting me along. Alison. Alison's been That's a key okay. key part of the project for this team and um, she's been one of our informants in making sure we in, ensure the project is meeting, you know, is, we're saying the right words and doing the right things. So thank I you, I nearly Alison. actually wore my Gain of the Grid shirt down today, but I wasn't sure if I should or shouldn't. <laughs> You're welcome. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.